Welcome to the Coach Stitch Podcast, and on this episode, we're talking four-out, one-in motion offense. This is a throwback, a retro episode. If we sound awful, 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 it's because it was one of the first episodes we've ever done, but it's also been one of our most popular as we talk with national champion, Southern Maine Community College Associate Head Coach A.J. Burton. They won it all back in 2022, and he talks about uh, their offense and how it's four-out, one-in, has a lot of read and react to it, and you know, my offensive philosophy, if I had to pick an offense to run, just choosing it, what they do really lines up with a lot of what I like because there's a lot of off-ball screens combined with great spacing, and it's four out one in. I still like having a uh, big around the basket, and we can bring them out at times to to ball screen and get into some different actions. But I just I really like that four out one in setup. So he talks about – what they run with their offense, some of the off-ball screens, some of the drive reads that they do, and, and much, much more. I uh, hope you guys really like it. And since he's recorded this podcast, he's put in uh, their 2-on-0, their 3-on-0, their 4-on-0, their 5-on-0, and what those drills look like as they implement this offense. And he shows that on video. It's really great stuff inside the Coach's Edge coach membership. So we hope you enjoy the episode. Please be a little forgiving if we maybe we don't sound as, as crisp because this is one of the very first podcast episodes we ever done. Uh, but I know you get a lot out of it, and that's why we're throwing it back out to you. Thanks again. Get after it today. Welcome to the Coach's Edge podcast. Uh, special guest today, Coach A.J. Burton, um, alongside myself and Coach Kramer. Um, really excited about this podcast. Um, I think it's going to benefit a lot of coaches out there. If they run any sort of motion offense, uh, four out, five out, or I guess if they run any offense, um, because there's a lot of great actions in this offense, and he's going to explain it and break it down, how they build it up. So we're going to jump right into it. Coach Burton, how are you doing this morning? Doing good, doing good. Uh, like, I was, like I was saying to Steve here, uh, you can see I, uh, I need a haircut. Um, I need to go – I got to go another month with this. So I don't know. I might have the uh, Chuck Daly – Big Daddy Rich kind of look maybe here in the end, just start pushing it up and just maybe roll with that. But I don't know. We'll see, though. Everything else is doing good, though. Good. Good to hear from you. I'm glad to have you on. And um, thanks for joining us. So let's, let's get into it. Um, you guys run a four-out offense at Southern Maine Community College. So kind of explain the basic overview of this offense. Yeah. So, you know, for us, like, we're, we're that traditional four-out one-in. Um, Obviously, we want someone in the post for us, um, really demanding the ball um, to kind of put pressure on the defense, especially on the weak side, which can lead to some inside-outside action. Um, but really what we do to start off the year is we kind of lay out to our guys, like, the principles we have with our motion. Um, we give our guys freedom in this offense, which I think is very unique, and guys really try to take advantage of those. Um, and the principles we have is obviously when you – have the ability to advance ball off the floor uh, from the defensive end to offense, do so because basketball one-on-one -on -one is, you know, a pass is quicker getting up the floor than an actual dribble. Um, so that's the first thing we always talk about. Then after that, it's pretty simple, simplified. It's, you know, change sides of the floor. Um, you know, we're looking to shift the defense consistently um, because the way that we play our offense, there's no true continuity and structure to it. Um, so if we can change sides of the floor two, three times within the shot clock possession that we have, it's an advantage for us because the defense is always being kept on their toes, no matter what. Um, obviously, I talked about the post touches, getting inside outlooks. 
And then we talk about the guys, you know, what's the difference between a good shot versus a great shot in our offense? And it ultimately comes down to that and one pass. Um, and the story I always share with the guys is when I was a grad assistant at Detroit Mercy, Ray McCown was the coach at the time, and his son was playing for the Spurs. He got to go down to training camp for a couple of days, and he shared with us, like, what they emphasize all the coaches, especially Coach Popovich, throughout scrimmages. All you hear is one more, one more, one more. So we always say that to our guys to the point where we're not even saying that, and guys on the court are yelling one more to let their teammates know that they're open. Um, so those are kind of the, the way that we kind of specify and simplify our offense to the guys with the freedom and structure. You know, that's, that's great stuff. And, you know, one thing you mentioned is ball reversals. And at the high school level, I don't know if players understand the importance of ball reversals. There's statistics out there, I believe, at the college and pro level that, you know, the certain amount of ball reversals increases your chance of scoring that possession. And, yeah, ball movement's key in any offense you run, whether it's a continuity, whether it's motion. And it sounds like that's one of your main principles, that and shot selection. Those are two huge things that any coach can, um, can take to the, whatever offense they're running. Um, now, within this offense, you know, what common actions do you guys run? Uh, I would say our most common actions that you would see if you watch this play is um, down screens, flare screens, um, and ball screens. I think those are the three most common things that we run. Um, but again, it all ties into um, a read and react style. Um, and we always say to our guys, no matter what type of screen we're running, off ball, on ball, one of two guys are always going to be open if both guys make the right reads. Um, so really trying to break that down to those guys. And as we go forward into this, I will tell you kind of like how we do those things um, to prepare those guys for those moments. No, go ahead. This is a good spot to jump right into that. Is yeah. So how do you, how do you rep that? How do you improve those actions? So they, they see it in practice. Yeah. So really what we do is like, you know, what we try to do is we build it up right from scratch. So we go, we start in just a two on O situation where both guys are on the same side. I'll be on the other side. One, the guy will pass to me and we're just working on down screens, getting the proper footwork down. You know, how are you going to set your cut up to go set the screen? If you're receiving the screen, how are you setting yourself up to come off it tight shoulder to shoulder? And then kind of then saying like, okay, now we have these actions. You can go a straight cut. If it's a straight cut screener, you're going to slip every time. If the screener comes off and curls screener, you're just popping and filling to where the person that's coming off the screen was supposed to go. Then we tell the guys, the third option is you can just refuse the screen in general. You can come up and kind of almost essentially kind of backdoor if they're overplaying it. Um, and then again, a screener, you're just popping or filling to where your teammate was supposed to go. Um, and after kind of reps of that, and what we do in drill work is like, we always have two shots being taken place. I'll have a ball and then we'll have another teammate, another coach with the ball. So I'd always be passing to the guy coming off the screen. And then the other coach is passing to the guy that's slipping or going to the basket to finish. So we're always repping both shots. So guys are getting the feel and understanding what we're doing. Once we're comfortable with that, then we go to flare screens, same thing. Teach them all the basic footwork, all those actions to where they're comfortable with. Then once we get to that, now we take the guy that's coming off the screen ball side, we put him on the weak side. So now we say, okay, now ball handler is attacking middle and you're on the weak side. Your, your defender has two options. He's either going to drop down to, you, to the man in the paint or he's going to come up and try to stunt hard. 
So if he comes up and stunts hard, we tell our guys on the weak side, you're always going to dive to the corner. And then if he drops down low because he's tired of getting beat, um, as you're going to the corner and he's tired of getting beat that way, he's just going to cheat down and wait for the guy to come to him on the drive. Well, then we teach him as a Euro cut. Um, and Euro cut is something I learned at Rochester when I played. And all it is is just a simple rise up action. Um, you're kind of almost on a curve. You kind of want to stay above the three-point line um, to get the catch there. So those are kind of the two actions we teach them there when it's off the ball. Um, then we'll go into what we call our drift drag action. Again, you got a guy on the weak side and you got a guy on the other side. Now your ball handler is driving to the baseline. You know, what, what's your read on the weak side? We always tell guys, if you have a teammate driving baseline, we want you to always drop to the corner because if the ball handler has nothing, we tell our guy to jump out of bounds, throw the pass to the opposite corner. Because a lot of times, if you're on the weak side and I'm a defender and I see someone driving, my head is going to completely turn to the ball. And we always say to the guys, if the, bat, if the back of the head or if, the, if you see the player's back or the back of his head, you're always going down towards the basket. Um, so we kind of replicate that too. And quite honestly, it's – it's kind of amazing, especially at this level, how you have to really emphasize and teach how to throw a proper drift drag pass. Um, you know, it forces guys, too, to have to throw with their weak hand. And it's always, it's always interesting to see at the start of the year, like, how they are completely uncomfortable, especially if you're a right-hand dominant, saying, okay, I need you to throw this drift drag pass on the left side with your left hand. And it's a little choppy, but, again, a lot of repetition, they eventually get better with it and more comfortable with it. Now, then let, once we're let me throw a question at you here. Yeah, a, go ahead. A couple of, couple of my college uh, coaches, I was asking them about um, getting their players to cut screen properly. I was asking them about what are some of the biggest issues that they have with their college athletes when it comes to reading screens, cutting properly, spacing, all those different things. And they both said something that I thought was really interesting. They said, for the most part with our college players, the issue isn't our screener. The issue isn't our cutter. The issue is our passer and getting yep. that passer to be able to uh, to see it, to be able to pass it on time, on target, in the right location, depending on where those defenders are going. We say our cutters know where they want to go. Our screener reads off the cutter. The pass is what we have to teach the most. You know, And maybe you're getting into that already, but how do you go about those different types of passing options and improving – you know, your player's IQ to improve. Yeah, that is a, it's a great question. Um, and it, it kind of leads into eventually we get to that point um, when we start going into kind of the three on O and four on O and eventually when we get to five on O to where now it's like they know all the cuts and principles that we're doing on these actions to where they should, they should know where they're delivering the pass to. Um, and we always say to our guys too, when you're receiving a pass coming off a screen or if you're slipping – or anything like that, show your hands. Show where you want the ball. Because then it's easier, too, for your teammate to know where to throw it directly. Because um, everyone's got different shooting pockets um, on where they want to catch shoot. So and it, it leads into what we do next when we go three on O. Um, we teach what we call is a rise action. And you see it a lot um, at the college level. Um, I really got this from, like, watching just, like, you know, Michigan State, seeing Harvard practice. Um, and just many other teams uh, live. But basically, it's you got ball on the right side, you got your other perimeter guys in the corner, and then you got a post player now on the strong side. 
Now we're working on, okay, post players are gonna come to the ball screen. Now we're gonna teach how we do the rise action principles. So as the ball handler is coming off the screen, okay, we do it, we call it like a pulley system. So if Coach Tro is coming off the ball screen, I'm in the corner. As he's coming off the screen, it's almost like he's pulling me up to what we call rise. Because if the big man is rolling to the basket off the screen, you know, what's my man gonna do? He's probably gonna have to help briefly on that roll. So as he's going to bump or help real quick on that, I'm rising up. Now it's a tougher angle and direction for him to come out and contest a shot for me. So then we start working on that action. Again, once guys get comfortable, move to the next one, which is called a pinch screen action. And what we do there is now it's now the ball's gonna get entered to the corner. Now we're going into a post feed. Once the ball always goes into the post, we always tell our perimeter guys, once you enter it, you're always going away and screening the closest guy to you. Um, so example, if Coach Tro entered it to me on the wing, I did the post feed, I'm gonna go screen for Coach Tro. So it's almost like we're kind of exchanging, but again, when I'm going to screen, I'm making the read. If my man is over helping, I'm slipping on that. But if there's nothing there, I'm just gonna pop and fill his spot. Again, just because it allows our post player to get some isolation a little bit, um, and it gives him the freedom and flexibility to make a quick go-to move if he needs to or counter to it um, to get a score. Um, and a lot of times too, like we've had some good post players and when we enter it in, they might just go down and trap and then it could essentially just be a quick kick out for a wide open look there too. Um, then once we're good and everyone's understanding on that, then we really start expanding and going four on oh and five on oh. And this is where coach and I, um, the head coach, Matt Richards, we'll kind of call it the actions. We'll be like, all right, you're going to enter it, feed the post. I want a pinch screen on the strong side, but on the weak side, I want the corner guy to come flare for the wing, just so we get some movement there off the ball um, on the weak side to keep those guys um, on their toes as well. Then it'd be like, all right, post player, you're going to skip it out to the opposite side, and you're going to go follow it with a ball screen. So then he'll come follow it. Then we got the rise action. So it might be like on the, on the ball screen, you're going to hit the rise, rise on the catch, you're going to feed it back inside of the post for a finish. Um, and kind of just give these guys different options and variations that they could see in the game. Um, because when we get into an actual live game, we're not saying, hey, post feed, pinch, smash. We're not saying all these things to them because we want to just give them a repetition so that they're comfortable that they can make these moves. Um, just kind of like it's second nature to them. Um, so that's kind of how we really build it up. But again, it varies on who we have in our team. Um, we could be very, if we're very young, we got to do a lot of repetition. This upcoming year, we're going to have a lot of returners. So we're going to be able to be quicker with it, um, with having less new guys uh, this year. So those are kind of the advantages that we have. Um, again, it's just kind of hit or miss on what we have with our roster, depending on new guys versus returners. That's phenomenal stuff. And um, as I'm taking some notes, some things that I want to zone in on is your terminology is amazing and any coach that's building an offense needs specific terminology um for that offense so players understand it they can't be switching it and calling you know a, a pin down a wide wide pin down a down screen they need to keep the same terminology same with if, if they're in high school their jv coaches probably run the same offense freshman coach uh, maybe even down to the junior high and keeping that terminology uh, throughout the program is key. So that's one thing I want to zone in that coaches can take. Um, the second is how you guys break it down. And you started out with, you know, two on, two on O. 
And it's probably, it's simple, but it's that attention to detail. And that's what's going to separate you. I was talking to Coach Kramer about uh, your father, who's a heck of a coach here in, um, in Michigan High School Basketball. And the more I talked to him, the more I realized that they did the ordinary things just extraordinary well. And that's what you're talking about as far as breaking it down with just your footwork. I mean, it's like Kobe said, never get bored with the basics. And it sounds like you guys do a great job of that. So it's another point uh, that I wanted to kind of to hone in on. Now, you talked a lot about building it up three on oh, four on oh. Do you guys do small sided games or some two on one where, like Coach was talking about, the passer has to make the read? How do you add defenders where they really have to make a, a live read? Yeah, so once we once the guys are comfortable with that, then we'll start throwing in defense, um, and we'll go live. And, again, it's kind of, again, like I gave you that buildup. We'll go the same thing. We'll start in a two-on-two setting. Then it'll go to three-on-three, to four-on-four, to five-on-five. Um, and, again, it's a lot of times that's where the correct, correctable things have to be done from the coaching staff on being like, all right, hey, you got to make the right read. Um, you got to read what your man, how he is. Um, if, he, if you see him cheating down a little bit, then that's the easy read of being like either flare out or possibly just go continue straight out. Um, and we always tell our guys too, and it's unique is the biggest struggle we see a lot is the screener. Sometimes he just goes and screens air and they don't even realize it until you tell them. You'd be like, Hey, who did you screen? And they have to think about it and be like, right, you didn't screen anybody. So we always, the terminology we say to our guys is head hunt. If I'm going to screen for you, coach Tro. I'm not just going to where you are. I'm trying to find where your man is. I'm going to go to him. So it's also, too, is I'm holding you accountable in a way to where it's like, all right, I'm going to go to your guy. But I need you to come down a little bit to set up to see where it's like you're almost coming down to your guy to where then you just come right off that screen tight. Because um, that's also another error that we always see pretty common once we go live is guys tend to come wide off screens. Um, and then when they get the catch, they don't have a look or anything like that. And they're kind of like unsure on like, well, what's the point of, us doing this kind of offense if we don't get these looks. So those are kind of the things that we start building up and going live with um, to get those guys ready um, for those moments when they're on the court. Um, good stuff. When you're talking about screens, it reminded me, I went and watched Puam Westphalia, a phenomenal high school program in the state of Michigan. And Coach Pohl, uh, when they screens, his terminology was wrap screens. And what he'd have his players do is say, Coach Burton, you're screening for me. I literally put my forearm, my arm across your chest and wrap you like I'm giving you kind of a side hug. So every rep when they're going two on zero and they're going four on four, I'm literally putting my hand across your chest. So it's not shoulder to shoulder. It's, it's, it's going a step further. Because as a coach, I used to say, go shoulder to shoulder. And they would kind of still leave that gap. When you're hugging that guy, you have to go shoulder to shoulder. Um, right. So that just reminded me of that. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's important. You know, you can't screen air. You got to screen a body and you, you got to make sure those screens are tight. Otherwise the defenders can get through it. Um, now switching, um, switching gears now and going with the importance of transition to get easy buckets. So it, it's important in the college game. It's important in the high school game. How do you guys, you know, have your transition flow into your, your motion offense? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. Um, and it's something once guys are good and comfortable there, then we kind of go into the next phase, which is the transition piece. Um, and here's our biggest key is we always say to our guys is that we have four spots on the perimeter that must always be filled. Um, that is your wing to corner areas, 
and then we call them the seams, but a lot of coaches call them the slots. Um, those spots always have to be filled on the perimeter. And our post player, he's here, he could be on the right block or he could be on the left block. Um, preferably, we start on the right block because tendency is a lot of times we're on the right side when we start in transition. Um, but like what we do is, here's kind of what we say to our guys personnel-wise is, obviously point guard, you're, you're on the right side, left side, obviously there. Our wings are running wide and sprinting down the court with their head turned because if you're open, the point guard is going to give it to you because we told our point guard, if you can advance with a pass, do so. Um, so we tell those guys those. Our five man, his biggest job is to rim run. Rim run, rim run, rim run. Um, it's surprising how many times that we get maybe four to six points in a game just from our big guy just sprinting down the court, beating his man down the court with a quick advance, dump down to him, he scores. Um, and then our four-man, he's our trail man. So if a basket was made against us defensively, he's always going to take the ball out. And his responsibility is he's just going to the opposite side of where our point guard is. Point guard's on the right side, he's going to the left side, and vice versa like that. So once the guys understand where they're going there, we start doing these drills. And one of these drills, I got this from my dad. Um, we call it number break, um, and we do the same thing here. Uh, you get one minute on the clock and these guys are going to continuously go for one minute straight doing those, doing those five or there's five shots to it. Um, everybody's getting a shot. Um, and surprisingly you get about seven to eight shots up total, um, in that whole minute. Now I would say this, that drill is so, so hard for our fours and fives because those guys are sprinting nonstop. Um, especially for the four man. He's got to take the ball out and always pass it in. He's got to run 94 feet about seven or eight consecutive times. And they're dead by the time uh, that drills over. Um, and how we do it, too, is we make it competitive. Is we'll have three groups go. And we'll tell the guys, all right, you have to make a combined 31 points as a team. And how we do the point system is, let's say, Coach Tro, if you're on the wing, you have that first shot. If you make the initial shot, that's worth two points. But if you miss it and then let's say – Coach Kramer gets the rebound and the ball doesn't touch the floor and he puts it in, that's one point. The only time you won't get a point is if the ball hits the floor off a miss. So there's like that point system. On average, we figured teams can get about nine to 12 points roughly. Um, so usually we say to our guys is, hey, that first group, you really have to set the tone. If you come out struggling, then you're, you're expecting your next two groups to really have to get after it um, and almost be perfect in ways. Um, so that's always one drill that we do. Um, and it's a great conditioning drill too, um, for the guys. We'll do it two or three times sometimes during the week when we know we only have one game. Um, but it's kind of something that we do daily, um, for our guys. And then the other drill we do is we just call them five on no fast breaks. Um, it's where we just bring five guys on the court and coach or myself will say, all right, you guys are going to do this action up the floor, but then you're also going to come down and do a different action again. It's kind of like we talked about attention to detail. Um, really putting these guys on the spot, making sure they know, okay, we're going to do this action coming down, but then when we come down or come back, it's a completely different action just to see where their focus is. And a lot of times we'll do that at the start of practice, and we'll know right away if guys are um, focused in and ready to go or if they're just saying, yep, this kid's in get-me-through-practice mode today. He's not feeling it. Um, so those are two drills that we really emphasize daily um, in our practices. But again, it's always working on our repetition of our transition style um, and leading into our offense.
No, I think there's some real good um, things to take away from those those drills. One is their conditioner. You're running, but you're still playing basketball. Two is I like the way you make it competitive. We run a similar drill, but um, we don't put points on it. And now that I've listened to you talk, you know, I'm thinking of how I can make that competitive because players like to compete. Um, they're going to run harder. They're going to be more focused when there's kind of a score on the line. So that, that's some really, really great stuff. Um, as far as building your transition and having it flow into your offense. And then, like you said, you can work on specific um, actions in your offense and you can gauge how, how engaged the players are. So those drills are um, beneficial on many different levels. Um, now, we were talking previously when we had some downtime, me and you, and I really liked um, our discussion because as a coach, um, and in high school, um, doing motion offense, sometimes I find that the ball just sticks in some guy's hand and whether it's, he's looking for a pass, but it's usually he's dribbling and me and coach Kramer, uh, had a recent discussion about the, the mistakes a ball handler makes. And that's one of them is really just over dribbling, not going anywhere with your dribble, using your dribble as kind of a toy and not a weapon. So you're, you guys have a really, um, cool thing you do so I want you to explain how you if you feel how what you guys do when you feel like um the offense is at a standstill and there's too much dribbling going on yeah yeah um yeah it's like you said there too like we call those guys um here our terminology is ball stoppers um where it's just like they have to put it on the floor dribble 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 um kind of feel like they're James Harden out there um obviously James Harden's a professional he can kind of do those things but at this level it's a little bit harder um and guys don't know how to really play with certain individuals that over dribble. So I don't know the backstory on why this name is used. Um, it's something I need to ask Matt Richards, our head coach about, but we call them Miranda rules. And Miranda rules is very simple. We'll do this in a half court setting and we'll sometimes do it in a full five on five full court setting. Um, once the initial pass is made into the offense and we'll do this at the start of the year on your catch, you only have, one dribble. So you better be pretty efficient with that one dribble. But the reason why we do this is because it really emphasizes to the guys that are not with the ball, having to get open with their feet, you know, having to really wait for screens, having to, you know, really make reads and reactions off the ball because your teammates that are on defense know you only have one dribble. So it's also a good, good teaching tool to the guys on offense that, Hey, you're going to get smothered. So we also teach the guys too, is always being in a good, proper athletic stance. Um, so you're not off balance. And we show the guys simply, like I'll tell a guy like, hey, be straight up and I'll come up and I'll just give him a little push. He loses balance. And I'll be like, all right, now you get in this athletic stance. I'm going to come push you. I give him a little bump and he doesn't move. I'm like, you see the difference. So kind of teach him those things too. Um, in case we do play a team that likes to smother the ball, um, especially like when you pick it up um, right away. So that's kind of the one things we do there. Um, once guys are good and we get later in the season, we'll give them a little bit of freedom. Be like, okay, guys, we're going to go Miranda. Now you only have two dribbles. So now then it really allows guys is like, if they want to make a quick one, two move to a finish and they have that ability to do it, then go for it. Um, but a lot of times we stick to the one dribble principle Again, just to really emphasize those guys knowing and understanding how to get open without the ball. Um, and I'll tell you what, there's times too during the season 
there will be games, and there's a, there's a game this past year I'm still kicking myself over. Um, late in the game, we started playing not to lose. And, I, and after the game, I said to the coach, I was like, we should have went motion Miranda. Like, and we'll call it out in games, just being like, hey, we're motion Miranda. You got to move without the ball. Um, but when we do do this drill, though, I will say it's always funny when you see a kid, he has, takes that one dribble. And as soon as he's about to take that second drone before it even hits the floor, he knows. <laughs> and if that happens, it's a turnover. And it's a change of possession. So, and we make it competitive too. Um, and guys really get fired up when we go Miranda. And there's times in practice too where they'll be like, hey, coach, can we go Miranda? It's like, okay, if you guys want to do it, we'll do it. Because, again, and it's a cliche thing that we always say and you hear it all the time in the basketball world is, you know, player-led teams are going to be more successful than coach-led teams. Um, Cause those are the, those guys out there are the ones that are actually playing. We're the ones that are helping them to put them in successful positions um, to help the team win. So it's always cool when we get to those moments and see those things where the guys are really pushing for those type of actions to do in practice. Oh, very, very cool to see those and a uh, very good idea as far as limiting the dribble and, you know, making those players move without the ball. And it also helps if you're probably going against a team that maybe pressures or you can't, you know, really put the ball on the deck. Maybe they're more athletic. Um, so with that in mind, you know, what do other teams do to disrupt your motion offense? How do you count? So I would, yeah, so uh, I would say the biggest challenge we have is, like you said, teams that are, like, aggressive on the ball, but teams that switch aggressive on any screens. Um, there's one team in particular that we play every year, and they're, like, the favorite – they're probably the, my most favorite team we play. And we play them twice a year. It's um, Navy Prep. They're the prep school to the Naval Academy. Um, and the kids that are on that team are recruited to go play at the Naval Academy. They just didn't qualify to get into the school. So they're sent up to this prep school to play for one year to really develop their skills academically and just stay in shape so then they can uh, pass their tests to get into the actual Naval Academy. So we're going up against Division One caliber players, um, and they switch everything. Um, and it's the biggest struggle for some of our guys because, one, we don't have guys that are Division One caliber. So they really have to focus in and not just see how their man's defending. You have to read how the screener's man is defending him. That's what we always say to them. So a lot of times it's a little struggle at first, and then once the guys get settled down, um, into it they're okay but the counters that we give them is we really emphasize to them it's like look if it's an off ball screen okay hard slips hard curls hard refusals those are the three kind of actions that we really sell to those guys um, to get open on looks um, and initially you know the slips will be open and once we have success there getting some uh, easy baskets the tendency is then the weak side guy will kind of start cheating over and start creeping over because he knows that the slip's coming. So once we see that, then our counter to that is we tell our guy with the ball is like, hey, don't look for the slip now. See the skip pass. And there'll be times too where we'll hit the skip and we'll tell the guy that sets that screen and slips is to seal their man. Kind of almost like a post seal to get a quick touch feed or pass inside for a finish. Um, and again, if it's our big guy that does that slip, a lot of times we say, hey, and we call it red, a red touch is immediate inside touch. So on that skip, we might yell red as soon as the ball's in the air. And that's the cue to the kid, catch it. You're immediately looking inside um, to get a look there. So those are kind of some of the counters we have off ball. 
on ball for us, it's, it's kind of simple. And a lot of it comes down to the scout report. Um, we're trying to find the matchup that would be in our favor. Um, you see it in the NBA all the time. Like you see the quick isolations, you know, with Kemba, Kyrie, um, some of the other well-known point guards like Steph Curry, they want to expose the guys that they switch on to. So what we try to do is find those matchups and we try to emphasize like, okay, let's do a big on little screen to where a little is now on our big. Once that switch occurs, now we're just going red, 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 red. We're just going to pound it inside and we're going to make it, you know, kind of like a nightmare for that, for that individual that gets switched on to them to where it's a point where they don't want to switch anymore. Vice versa, if we have the big on our guard, we're telling our guard, hey, attack them. Attack, attack, attack. We had a point guard, um, Jacoby Burpee, that we had for two years, and he might have been one of the best guys I've seen in my time here so far that was so good at attacking guys that would switch on him, especially bigs, because he was so shifty. And he would just come at the guy, and they would just be backpedaling the whole time. And by the time they finally got in the position, Jacoby was either pulling up for a shot or he was already at the basket um, picking up a foul. So those are kind of the things that we try to counter against those hard switches um, or aggressive switches and so forth like that. I love that the post game is definitely not dead within your program, right? You're, oh, yeah. You're skipping and throwing it down. You're looking for switches, getting it down there. Uh, that, that's, a, that's a fun offense to, to watch, and I'm sure your bigs appreciate it because they're not just doing the dog work the whole time oh yeah yeah they they actually and there's times too it's like you know like last night i'm i'm re-watching the 04 game five of the pistons lakers and here's ben wallace getting touches and you know the kids these days didn't realize like ben wallace was not offensively gifted he was just gifted defensively but in the moment doc rivers was saying like larry brown has put so much trust into Ben Wallace that his guys are trusting him to give him the ball, you know, give him the confidence to kind of really like, okay, Hey, we're not just a perimeter oriented team. We're going to give the ball to the guy inside. So that's kind of what we do too is like, Hey, you might not have been a great post player. We're going to help you. We're going to give you some individual work. We're going to give you, you know, two to three post moves with two to three counters to those moves to really develop you and give you that confidence down low. And that's why we said too, with our post guys is you got to have a demand for the ball. If you don't demand the ball, it's tough for you to be on the floor. Yeah. Um, I really like the counters that you mentioned and also that you even anticipate how those counters will impact the defense and then almost a counter to that. I mean, you guys are a step ahead of the counter, which is crazy and uh, uh, makes you guys great coaches. Um, wrapping it up, um, some things that I've taken away, which has been a lot, and I think other coaches want your terminology, like, as I listen to you guys, it's phenomenal. Like Red, Miranda, you, I mean, I'm sure any kid in your program, if I mention something, they're going to know exactly what that means. And it's simplified and it's on a different level. And I think any coach out there listening um, can implement whatever terminology they need, but they need to have some sort of terminology when they're building their offense. So lastly, you know, what advice would you have for any coach, you know, quickly that, um, wants to build an offense? You know, I think the biggest thing is, you know, knowing your personnel. Um, you know, for, for our level, you know, you have to play with a shot clock. You know, so we have 30 seconds to, you know, find a, find a good shot versus a great shot. So for us, it was kind of easy to, you know, really go into this style of offense. Um, but a lot of it, too, is just, you know, 
hey, what, what are your strengths? Um, what are you really good at? If you're a really good shooting team, like are you a team that really wants to space the floor out um, and try to drive and kick? You know, are you a team kind of like what uh, Coach Kramer was saying? Are you a team that likes to pound it inside? You know, do you like to have one guy in the post? Do you like to have maybe two guys in the post? Um, and so forth like that. So a lot of it really comes down to knowing your team best. And also, too, kind of like what's your personality and style of coaching? You know, teams are going to be run and go. Teams are going to be slow down offense. Um, you know, Massachusetts has a – in high school, they have a shot clock. I see more kids or more teams that play to kind of our style, which is – honestly, that's where I love to go recruit is in that state because those kids are more polished and ready for the collegiate level. Vice versa in Michigan, you know, you don't have a shot clock. So, like, for me, when I played my father, you, and I took him to a game in Massachusetts, and we talked all the way back. I'm like, do you see what I'm talking about now? And he said the flow of the game is just so much – it's just so much better. So, like, I think that's the one thing you got to look at is, one, know your personality. What is your style that you feel most comfortable with? And then, you know, the last thing is, are you playing with a shot clock or not? Because that really dictates what you really want to do offensively. Now, I love that you mentioned the importance of the, the shot clock because um, that's the trick, right? When, when you're a college coach recruiting players, you got to flip it in your mind a little bit and say, how would this player perform when they're playing on an offense where they're spending two minutes on one possession? I played against so many teams like that when I was in high school and saying, how is this going to translate to 30 seconds on the clock? And they got to be able to make reads, make decisions and make plays right away. Um, mm -hmm. Coach, I want to thank you for, for your time, for being a part of the Coach's Edge podcast. Um, I know we look forward to watching you continue developing your coaching career. We wish you the best of luck. Thanks again. Yeah, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Anytime. <laughs>